Well, if you have your Bibles with you, why don't you turn with Second Peter chapter 1, verse 19. It's really blessed seeing what God's done through Mike and Megan here. And, you know, when uh, they went out about five years ago, it was uh, difficult for us because they were such an integral part of the fellowship. And, uh, man, God was using Mike in such a powerful and wonderful way in our fellowship. But we knew, you know, when the, the opportunity came, that there was a call of God on Mike's life to go somewhere else. And, you know, um, I always hate to give up any of my guys, especially Mike. But um, I, I'm so thrilled to see what God is doing here and just talking to Mike on a regular basis and uh, knowing that God is leading and directing. And, you know, God has anointed Mike to teach God's word and to take care of you. And uh, as a pastor, uh, I can tell you, you know, those, the individual that is willing to serve without uh, applause, without notoriety, without um, being in the limelight and just to serve. And Mike's one of those guys, you know, just a uh, ox to the plow, right? You know, he plows through God's word faithfully. And uh, that's what we need as God's, as God's people. His sheep need to hear God's word. And so um, I'm blessed to know that God is doing that here in this in this church, and uh, it's always a blessing. Just I can just uh, you know feel like I'm a part of this family, part of this fellowship, and uh, yeah. So it's you know it's always wonderful. The family of God's huge, but that's special when it's uh, when there's the churches are connected, and we have uh, another individual. As you know, I, I'm sure most of you know Mike or uh, Mike's good friend Nick Hinsey down there in Calvary Chapel Savannah. And he's from our church also. So you guys are, uh, those two, two churches are so close and it's such a, a blessing uh, to know God's using both of these pastors from our congregation. So let's go, let's go before the Lord in prayer tonight. Father, as we commit this time into your hands, Lord, we ask that your spirit would give us insight into your word, Lord, just that we as your people might be fed, Lord, that we might be instructed in righteousness and able, Lord, to give an answer to anyone, to any man that would ask us a reason, the hope that is within us. We thank you, God, for your spirit. We pray that you would direct us tonight. We ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. Until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. If you, ha- if you have the ISV, the International Standard Version, it says this. Therefore, we regard the message of the prophets as confirmed beyond doubt. I love that interpretation, that translation. And I don't use the ISV at all, but as far as that one verse, as far as that one passage, I love what it has to say there. Because, you know, from time to time, people ask us as believers, how do you know the Bible's accurate? How do you know it's reliable? Or even as believers, sometimes Christians, and often young believers say, you know, how do I know the Bible's true? How do I, you know, and, and people say, well, you know, it's been translated so many times and it's been interpreted and it's a blah, 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 blah. How do you know it's true? Well, this verse tells us we have a more reliable source. Therefore, we we regard the message of the prophets, the word of God itself, as confirmed beyond 
doubt. God's word proves it's God's word because it is accurate. In fact, the Bible is the only book that dares to predict the future with 100% accuracy. If you've ever looked at the Book of Mormon and some of the prophecies of Joseph Smith, you know that that isn't always the way as far as uh, prophecy and fulfilled prophecy and that which is forecasted, prophesied of, it's a very difficult thing to do. In fact, God, in the Old Testament, he challenges the false prophets. He challenges those individuals that claimed to be clairvoyant or to be prophets from God. You tell the future. You tell what's, what's going to take place. You tell, uh, you tell us what's going to transpire. See how good you do. Well, God, he knows the future. And he has told us the future in his word. And we know we can go back and look at the prophecies from the Old Testament and see that God is reliable because they have everyone that God has said would come true has. Now there are those which are yet future, but as far as whenever there's a time limit or as we look at these passages, we're able to see that they are fulfilled in history. And so we can go back. You know, uh, one time at work I had a guy say, well, you know, how can I tell, you know, the Bible? Well, here's, here's how you can tell. Look at, if I was to tell you, if for years and years on end I told you every, as far as uh, the NFL, every single game that was played, and I was able to tell you in advance, in the future, every team, what the score was going to be, who won, who lost, blah, 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 and you go over, and, and after a while you'd begin, after years and years, you go, gosh, you know, this guy knows what he's talking about. You watch these guys on, you know, the NFL network and they're trying to predict the team. And, you know, if a guy has a, a 65% rate of predicting who's going to win, they think, wow, this guy's really good at this. Uh, God, he says, if a prophet prophesies and it doesn't come to pass, if he has a, a 99% rate as far as prof- prophetically speaking, telling the future in advance, that's a false prophet. If you get one prophecy wrong, you're a false prophet according to God's word. So God, he's always 100% accurate. Now here's something I wanted to share with you tonight. A little bit different than a kind of a normal Bible study, but I thought this would be fun. And, you know, as we're getting close to Christmas time, and we're uh, once again celebrating our Lord's birth, his first coming. He's coming again, by the way, as you know. But many, many years ago, and some of you may have heard of this book, it, it's entitled Science Speaks. And it was written by Professor Peter Stoner. How many have heard of Peter Stoner before? Anybody? Mike? Okay, good. Yeah, yeah I'm thrilled because if, if this is new to you, man, uh, to me, the first time I heard this, I was absolutely floored. But anyways, Peter Stoner, uh, he was a professor that uh, there at Pasadena City College and then also at Westmont College, which is actually in Santa Barbara, the county where I'm from. And he went over the chances. He uh, was looking at the chances of Christ fulfilling prophecy. And so his class, this was a, a class, I believe they took an entire semester to look at prophecy and how easy it would be for an individual to fulfill the prophecies of Christ. Because in the Old Testament, there are over 300 prophecies regarding the first coming of Jesus Christ. So they say, oh, as a class, hey, let's take some of those prophecies and see how easy it would be. And uh, for example, the first prophecy they looked at was in Malachi chapter 5, verse 2, where it tells us that he would be born the Messiah, the Christ, the Christos, the Messiah, uh, that he would be born, 
the Jewish Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, as you know. Well, how many people were born in Bethlehem? You know, I don't know any. Is anybody here know anybody that was before, besides Jesus Christ? Somebody who was born in Bethlehem? See, there's very few people. So uh, it's not a very big place. And yet, what they did, you know, they used what is called in mathematics, statistics. And, you know, Peter Stoner was an expert both math and astronomy. They used a compound probability factor. And how this works is amazing. Uh, it, let's say, and this is just hypothetical, but let's say I wanted to find somebody that had green eyes that was also left-handed. So let's say, uh, using this compound probability factor, uh, one in 10 individuals, one in 10 males, uh, have green eyes. And then one in 10 males, let's just say, uh, is left-handed. So using the probability factor, I would need 10 times 10. So one in 10 times one in 10, or 10 times 10. So in 100 men, 100, 100 men together, uh, with that factor, I should be able to find a left-handed, green-eyed individual. So that's, that, that's what they use, and that's just, a, uh, just for illustration. This is, so they use this method, using this method, uh, Mr. Stoner, Professor Stoner's class, they took eight prophecies. Eight prophecies of Christ. How, how hard would it be? And those prophecies range from, you know, most of you know these prophecies. Um, as I mentioned, Malachi, Malachi 5.2, that stated that Christ, the Messiah, would be born in Bethlehem. And then they also uh, used Malachi 3.1, which spoke of the fact that the Messiah would have, and every time there's a prophecy, you see, it, it reduces the chance that it, it could actually come about. Uh, so, for example, if I was to say, you know, I, I believe it's going to... Um, rain sometime next week. Well, you know, that's highly probable. Uh, but if I told you the day, then they see that limits. The, the more stipulations, the more factors I add, the more difficult that would be. So if I say the day, then that narrows it down. If I say the hour, that really, if I say the second, then you'll, hey, this guy, he knows exactly what he's talking about because he's reduced the probability, uh, the, the factors. So uh, another passage uses Malachi uh, 3, 1, which speaks of the fact that Christ would have a forerunner, John the Baptist, one that would go before him and tell the people he'd prepare the way, as John the Baptist did. So they also, th- these are the pro- kinds of prophecy that they, they, they use regarding the coming of the Messiah. They also use Zechariah 9, 9, Mike's in Zechariah. Have you gotten to chapter 9 yet, Mike? All right, cool. So Zechariah 9, 9, you already know the passage, that the, the Messiah, that the king of kings, that he would come into Jerusalem on the back of a colt, the foal of a donkey, or the, a little, little donkey. That was very hard, by the way. An unbroken donkey, you don't get away with that. You just, you just don't jump on it unless you're the creator. Then you can do anything you want. That donkey's going to obey. Uh, he's instantly broken. He's instantly submissive. Well, anyways, so they took eight prophecies similar to those, where they, it spoke specifically of the first coming of Jesus Christ, and they, they looked at each one of these things. Well, how many people are born in Jerusalem? You know, how many people have a foreign? And, and they underestimated on purpose they under, to make it high, much more probable. So all of these factors, all these estimates, they, they tried to make it as easy as, but they just, uh, in order that, you know, the, it would make it as easy as an individual, you know, as far as the, uh, the factoring would go. So they said, taking just eight prophecies, that the chance was one in ten to the seventeenth power. That's one, the seventeenth power. That would be one, the number one, with seventeen zeros behind it. Now it's easy. Okay, hundreds, thousands, millions, 
billions, trillions, and then people start making stuff up, you know, after that. I remember when I was a kid, it was, you know, kazillion, you know, or it, it, then just kind of in the argument, you'd say yeah, infinity times, you know, that was like, you know, beyond, it'd be just, you know, there's no end to it. Well, one in 10, that's the chances of indiv- somebody just come along and fulfilling one in 10 to the 17th power, an individual fulfilling just eight prophecies. That was three, you know, say. <laughs> but so what they did was, is taking that number, one in 10 to the 17th power zeros, 17 zeros behind it. He said, this is, this is what you would need. You would need, if you had that many silver dollars, one to, uh, you know, 10 to the 17th power zeros. Or, uh, if you had that many silver dollars, you could, with the state of Texas, make it kind of like a, a giant, a huge, gigantic sandbox where there, you have a two-foot border around the entire state of Texas. You'd be able to fill it up with those silver dollars. 10 to the 17th power. Now, if you marked one of those silver dollars, one in 10 to the 17th power, mark one of those silver dollars and hide it somewhere. Somewhere in Texas. You're walking around Dallas, you know, Austin or Waco and you're just, with, the guy's got his blindfold on. He's walking around for maybe you know, weeks or whatever, and then he just randomly bends over, picks up, you know, puts his hand, you know, maybe a couple feet deep down, way down to the bottom of that, you know, uh, two-foot-high sandbox, deep sandbox. He, he grabs, of all those multi, you know, one in 10 to the, the guy pulls up, and it's got the X on it, that would be one in 10 to the 17th power. If he randomly chose that one silver dollar, being blindfolded. Now, they said, well, that's, that's, that's amazing. That's phenomenal. That's highly unlikely that anybody could possibly do that. They made it as easy as they could. You know, it was like how many people are, well, probably, you know, one in a billion. Well, we'll make it one in 7,000. It was something like that. So he made it very easy for someone uh, to fulfill this. But even in so doing, one in 10 to the 17th power to fulfill eight prophecies, highly unlikely. So they said, well, let's add, let's add eight prophecies to that. Let's make it 16 prophecies for someone to fulfill. How easy would it be for an individual? How hard would it be for Christ to fulfill uh, 18 prophecies? Well, they said the number was 1 in 10 to the 45th power. So you got 1 with 45 zeros. There's no name for that. That's why they use the powers. So uh, now at this point, there's nothing on earth to use to illustrate. We're going to use... He used silver dollars once again. He's got one with an X on it. And at this point, uh, you've got to go beyond this planet to make a container big enough to hide or to, uh, to hold 10 to the 45th power. So in order to have a globe, let's say a, a giant uh, plastic ball, you know, kind of like a piggy bank, a giant plastic ball, a sphere, um, this is how big it would have to be. So this is what we're going to make, this giant ball. We've got to use Earth as the center. Use Earth as the center. And uh, from Earth to the sun is 93 million miles. That's a long way. We're going to go 30 times that distance. 30 times that distance out into space. 93 million miles. So that's how big the ball's going to be. The radius is going to be there. And then you go out in, in all directions, 30 times the 93 million miles. In all directions. That's the one ball. That's the big, big, huge piggy bank. And you fill it with those silver dollars. 
That's how many, that, you know, that's 10 to the 45th power. Now, if an individual, now at this point, you've got to put them in a scuba, you've know, got to give them a scuba tank. You blindfold them. He's swimming around in that gigantic sphere. For that guy to swim around for weeks or months or whatever, and then just say, okay, I'm going to pick it. Now, he reaches out, and in that giant ball, he, he, he grabs the silver dollar, and by chance, one in 10 to the 45th power, it's that silver dollar. That's one in 10 to the 45th power. Highly unlikely, isn't it? It's amazingly. You just think of, the, how could it happen? Well, let's go on. What Professor Stoner in his class said, they said, look it, we're going to put this so far out where it's just beyond the imagination that this could possibly, we're, we're going we're to take 48 prophecies. Now, previously, remember, it was just, uh, it was just 16. I think I might have said 18, but 16. So now we've got, he's going to say, we're going to take 48 prophecies. Well, the probability factor of that taking place, 1 in 10 to the 157th power. That's 1 with 157 zeros behind it. You see, at this point, that number is so beyond our, our imagination and our ability to... Uh, understand it that they what they did was because as far as using an object using something to illustrate this they had uh, because silver dollars are just too big they're, they're too big to try and use the universe so what they had to do is let's use something very small in the atomic realm let's use we've got to use something extremely small so they chose an electron now electrons are extremely tiny was any is anybody here tonight that remembers, this was uh, like four or five decades ago at Disneyland. They had Monsanto's travel through inner space. Does anybody, did anybody go on travel through inner space? All right, got one person. Now, what it was, it was a ride, and you were supposed to be shrinking. You go on this ride, and you're supposed to be shrinking, 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 and you're going, and you're, first, you know, see these, you're getting smaller and smaller, and then they've got these giant snowflakes. So they're, they're made out of styrofoam, but, you know, it was, back then, that was state-of-the-art, I guess. And, you know, so you, you, oh, you're styrofoam, and there's got all these different objects, and you're supposed to be getting smaller. All these objects are huge. And then, you see, you're like the, the you're like, uh, ato- you're, the, you're in the atomic realm where you're, uh, sub- you're a subatomic particle and you can see all these things floating around, these protons, electrons, and they, they actually had the nucleus of the, the atom with the electrons flying around it. It was really cool. It was free back then. You know, back then when they had um, you know, tickets, you know, the E-Ride, if you're here, this, well, that's the E-Ride ticket. Well, that was like the, the most expensive ticket. That was like if you're going to go on the uh, Matterhorn, that was the E-Ride. But this was free. So um, anyway. It was a cool ride, but you know, it, went out of, it went out of style. But what I always remember that because with this illustration of electrons, I know uh, what they're talking about. He says it's extremely small. You can't, even with a highly powered uh, microscope, you can't see an electron. But here's the deal with electrons. They are so tiny. They are so uh, minuscule that um, it takes... To, sorry about that. I'm not used to wearing one of these guys, but uh, it takes... To make one inch, a single file line, one inch long of electrons, it's 2.5 times 10 to the 15th power uh, to, to make those single file, the one inch long. Now, to count those, to just count one, if you had a, if I had here tonight uh, an inch of electrons that you could, you know, we can't see them, but if, to count them, if you could count them, you know, here's how long it would take you. If you could count 
250 electrons per minute, day and night. That was 250 a minute, day and night. It would take you 19 billion years. That's just one inch, single file. Now to have a cube, like an, you know, like an ice, well, just a cube, cube in, one, in, one, one inch cube, a solid one inch cube of electrons. For you to count that, and I have no idea what this number is, but this is, this is the scientific term. 1.2 times 10 to the 38th power years to count. It's just plain big. This is the big number. It says, like, you know, it, where's eternity in that? It's, you know, it's, it's not as big as eternity, but man, it's, it's, it's uh, way out there. So using electrons instead of silver dollars now, that's what we're using. We still need a much larger ball, you know, kind of the big plastic clear piggy bank. Uh, it's not just 30 times further than the 93 million miles to the to the sun, you know, 30 times. This, the, these balls, this, okay, we're going to talk about one giant piggy bank here. This is that clear ball, you know. Um, astronomers tell us that space, now this is, this is going way back because at this point, astronomers tell us that space, you know, goes out, our universe is approximately 46 billion light years. Um, and how do they know? They don't, they don't know that. But way back when Peter Stoner in his class, was, they were doing this. Is the universe, they thought, was six, uh, six billion light years in all directions from Earth, basically. So six billion light years. Now, a light year, now we're, we're going to get to this giant sphere, but I've got to explain this to you. We're going to build this giant sphere, this giant plastic sphere, one of them. Uh, six billion light years. To travel a light year, you're traveling at a, the speed of light, 186 thousand miles per second 186,000 miles per second so traveling 186,000 miles per second to get to the end of this globe to this giant ball where you're going to go from earth in all directions you're going to go six billion light years each second you're traveling 186,000 miles per second in all directions that's how big this what just one ball Okay, you're going to fill it with electrons. Now, one in ten to the 157th power, you haven't even scratched the surface with that giant sphere, which was as big as the universe way back in when uh, Stone, with Professor Stoner made this, but made this illustration. But let me let, let's uh, consider what what needs to be done here. So that's just one of those balls. You would have to to get 157 to, uh, 10 to the 157th power. This is what you would need. You would need. 6 times 10 to the 28th power of these balls. Each one basically the size of you know, the universe and, you know, that was uh, it just gigantic. Now, uh, here's the thing. In order to, to make that many of those balls, it would, it would take you, you'd have, to, you'd have to make, in other words, to, to fill each one of those up with those electrons, 10 to the 157th power, you would need to make 500 of those giant balls. Each minute, day and night, for 10 to the 10th power times 6 billion years. Those gigantic, they're just big as the universe, basically. That would be one, you know, and so here's the deal. You get your scuba diver, you've got one of those teensy tiny electrons, somewhere in one of those giant spheres. You've got, he's got an X on it. And he's in his diving suit. He's got tweezers. And, a, you know, a, a atomic microscope. <laughs> and he just determines at some point, okay, 
This is it. I'm picking an electron. He picks the electron out of one of those spheres. It's six times 10 to the 20th power. 500 of them each minute, day and night, for 10 to the 10th power times 6 billion years. And he picks, he picks the right one. That would be 1 in 10 to the 57th power. One chance. Now look at Having said that, here's the deal. There are over 300 prophecies that Christ fulfilled in his first coming. Over 300. This is, this is only, he only took 48. So the reality is this. You know, next time somebody tells you or asks you, you know, how do you know, how do you know the Bible is accurate? Hey, prophecy. Let me share some prophecies with you. And, and, um, and I just shared this with, with, with my congregation, our congregation back in Lompoc. You know, when I was a 15-year-old, and um, I, my, I had plans for my life. Big plans. I was going to be a beach bum. And I was going to surf. My entire, and I was going to shape surfboards. And uh, that was my plan for my life. And I, I had it all marked out. You know, I'd say, I, I, you know, I don't need anybody to... But in on my plans, I know what, exactly what I'm going to do, man. I'm just going to, I'm going to surf and have fun and just, you know, live life to its, to, to its fullest. Well, uh, my sister started, she started sharing the Lord with me. And I thought, you know, that, it's not for me. But she kept sharing with me anyway. And she, and she prayed for me. And I, I actually went to church with her because she forced me to. And uh, as a 15-year-old, my parents were getting divorced. And um, I live with my sister in California. And the only way I could live with her is if she was my legal guardian. And I had to do what she said. So I had to go to church with her. And, you know, I, I heard the gospel. And I was, I was moved. But uh, I, didn't really, I, didn't want any, I didn't want my plan spoiled. And yet what happened was she started sharing with me. Because she, she told me about Jesus and how I need to be born again and all that stuff. But it's when she, she started to tell me about the book of Revelation and how these things were going to happen and how these prophet and how the Bible prophesied of all these things and I could see them. I could see how they had been fulfilled. Uh, the end times events that had been fulfilled, that was, in the early, that was in the early 70s. There's a lot more now. But I go, wow. And I knew, one thing I did, did know as a, as a non-believer, I knew the I, I believed the Bible to be true. And I was a Catholic. And, and I, you know, so I thought I was already saved. But when she started to share with me how I needed Jesus Christ and how the world was going to come to an end and how the Bible had predicted so many of these things that were taking place. I go, wow. You know what? Um, think of heaven and hell, and it caused me to think of those things. And I think, you know what? Um, heaven's a way better option. And uh, I, I finally, you know, it didn't take me that long because I got scared and you know, God was convicting me and I received Christ. But you know, it was prophecy it's as I realize, hey, God's word, and it's applicable to my life right now. God's word is true. The proof, and we need to remember this, this is not simply evidence uh, in the sense that it's just, well, this is a, you know, kind of a little bit of evidence here, maybe. This is overwhelming proof that the Bible is inspired, that is true, that it is accurate. Prophecy is God's word. God's word proves it is God's word because God's telling us, and you can rely on it. You can show, you can show people how it's come to pass, especially here in these last days. You look at you know the, the push for a one-world government, a one-world monetary system, a one-world religion. 
It's, it's all being foisted upon our culture. There, there is a very powerful being, the devil, a fallen angel, a cherub, who is, who is seeking, to, he set the world up uh, for uh, a one, this, this ruler, a one world ruler, the false Christ, who's going to rule over this planet. And there's pr- so many prophecies, and you can see them being fulfilled. Now, it's proof so overwhelming, it, it's overwhelmingly definite. And it's, it's so overwhelming that the universe does not, <laughs> it isn't big enough to hold the evidence. That there's, there's no way to, to even show it in a, in a fact, you know, where if you were going to talk about the 300, there's no way you could even, it, it's just so far beyond calculation that it's not Christ. It, to, to just hey, see you're 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 if you're here tonight and you say, well, I, you know, I don't believe it. You know, it's just one of those other. Religions. No, it's not. It's the only book that God has put a stamp of approval on, and it proves. And God says it. You know, He's sent His Son. I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but by Me. The Bible tells us in Acts. There's no there's there's no name given among men. There's no other name given among men where, whereby we must be saved. So this is God's only means of salvation. This is his only truth. The universe itself is not big enough to hold the evidence. And so, look, as a, as a child of God, I just wanted to encourage you tonight regarding that because some, even some believers, you know, they have a problem with, well, you know, I know that there's other religious books or, it, look, as far as God's concerned, there isn't. There's only one book, one authority, and it's his word. Well, Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for giving us your word. And Father, that we can rely upon you and that you have given us an accurate understanding, an accurate source that we can rest our eternity on. We can, as your people, we've we've placed our faith in you. who can never fail, can never lie, that is always faithful to keep his promises. And so, Lord, uh, especially this Christmas season with the possible, well, with the opportunities we'll have to share and uh, to tell people about you, may we just remember the um, fulfilled prophecy, Lord, that your word's accurate, that you you have prophesied and fulfilled so many of these prophecies, and there is prophecies yet to be fulfilled. And may, may we, Lord, have as your people an urgency to tell others, God, to your glory. I pray you bless your people here tonight, Lord. Continue to minister by your spirit as we fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen.